Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. This episode is part of a very special series I have curated for you. Your level of emotional intelligence is one of the most significant contributors to your success in life, however you choose to define success for you. In my emotional intelligence workshops, I use the EQI 2.0 model to help professionals and leaders assess how they are doing in self-perception, self-expression, interpersonal relationships, decision-making, and stress management, the main areas of the model. The model contains 15 competencies grouped into each of the areas I just mentioned. You can learn more about the model at mhs.com. So what is so special about this series? Each episode is a deep dive into a competency from the model with an expert who provides you with strategies for improving your emotional intelligence. In this episode, Rita Murray tells us about effectively utilizing our emotions in the decision-making process. An educational psychologist and certified speaking professional Rita is passionate about helping bright, talented, and motivated individuals harness their source of strength to achieve their goals and dreams, particularly in business. She does this through her company, Performance Consulting. Welcome, Rita. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. It's really great to be here. Well, I'm really excited that you're here to talk about decision-making. But before we get into that, can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? Happy to. I have been involved with the whole domain, if you will, of psychological type of people, of what drives us, what inspires us, what giftings we have. And it led to years later, having done a lot of work with the Myers-Briggs, for those of you who know what the MBTI is, then to study the EQ, the emotional intelligence tool um, by MHS, which I really love having looked at a lot of them. I did a lot of my dissertation research around type Mm -hmm. and emotional management. And so I have just a sincere belief that we can all transform ourselves every day (laughs) uh, more emotionally uh, to be better human people, to be better connectors, to uh, be better contributors to our world and our situation. So I I'm in it every day. I'm steeped in it. My husband would tell you, I, uh, <laughs> I can't, I eat, breathe, drink, sleep, EQ. And he's right. Yeah. I, yeah, me too. I love the, like, it's almost like layers of an onion with personality and then EQ and all that other stuff for yeah, us humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love it. Love it. So now our focus for today, which I'm very excited about is a very important part of emotional intelligence. And a lot of people don't realize that emotions have such a huge impact on our decision-making. So yes. let's talk about the decision-making composite, <laughs> if I'm saying it right, of emotional intelligence. So first of all, what is it? Why is it a part of emotional intelligence? That angle is really what I think sets the MHS tool apart, this EQI, because it does begin to really focus in on what typically is a very objective um, set of words. You know, yeah. you think of decision making, problem solving, reality testing, impulse control. They all beg to be misunderstood um, in the in the domain, if you will, of emotional intelligence. But it's really important as we put these together that I think it helps explain why often it's really difficult for people who are pretty hardwired 
to today's business to be objective, to understand that in the domain of emotional management, you can get hijacked real quickly by your emotions. And if you don't know what to do, you can feel so naive, so juvenile, so um, unable to connect the dots and understand that just managing your emotions helps your decision making. Oh, huge, right? So let's first look at uh, someone using emotional intelligence successfully in decision making. What does that look like? So if we break out the three pieces of it and look first at just problem solving, um, generally, if you think about it every day, I mean, just you, Chris, think how many problems do you solve in an average day, right? A lot per hour. <laughs> right, right. So so take that times 365 and we know that problem solving is huge. Yeah. And yet what we don't realize is we do have tools at our disposal that can alert us to when emotions are involved in the problem solving. Now, sometimes some problems are pretty objective um, and we can just use all the tools of objectivity to analyze them, pro, con, what if. However, when our emotions start to play in, like we notice we're getting really mad or frustrated or we haven't finished and it's late at night, now we're tired, Mm. we know that emotions impact us. However, it's data that we may choose to just ignore and not realize it's a part of who we are. And it's it's often born of tendencies that are long overlooked for some mm. who are into their 20s, 30s, 40s, and older. Um, this idea that if you pay attention to it, there is a high cost to delay in not paying attention. And in the case of problem solving, what we know from the research, Chris, I think this is fascinating, is that when in problem solving, you can manage and you know emotions are involved you can manage to remain kind of cool and calm you're most innovative yeah um, because you you're excited um, you you know you can do this you can handle it and then when when you know that you've got a short time frame your emotions are involved you're getting angry but you have to get it done sometimes even the bad moods or the emotions that aren't so great push us to closure can get it done yeah um, so they're really interesting things to just problem solving um, that to me are fascinating around coming up with a tool for a way to diagnose our own emotions during that process of problem solving. Yeah. Well, so then how do we make sure that we are emotionally intelligent in our decision-making? What are some, maybe some strategies? So I think coming up with a model, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I know that in psychological type, even we use what's called the Z problem solving model, right? Where you, you really look at the facts. So you evaluate it, then you coolly and calmly begin to brainstorm. Um, Then you think about alternatives, possibilities, then you move to uh, analytics. And now we're using that objectivity to decide. Having done that, though, we have to consider relationships and our own emotions and perhaps the emotions of others as we begin to to do that, tease that out. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to take long, but people begin to identify and know what our problem-solving go-to method is. And so to be able to unpack it ourselves and think of ways to evaluate, is our problem-solving approach working when emotions are at stake? Yeah. And so... For some, it's a model. For others, it's ask for feedback. Yeah. Um, in the middle of that problem we were trying to solve, did I get out of hand? Um, those are, <laughs> you know, kind of ways that that can help um, help us help ourselves 
that's what really a lot of this EQ is, um, yeah. is managing ourselves, right? Yeah, huge, right? Awareness of and then managing of. Yes. So I love that you brought up, because um, I, I was thinking of thinkers and feelers when you were talking, <laughs> right? The theory Z. Uh, what are, okay, so let's look at it maybe from the thinker's point of view, someone who is, yeah. you know, based in logic and they, and they want to weigh and, and analyze and stuff. How can they use emotions more effectively when they're making decisions? When, it, when, yeah. when it's really hard for them to understand, right? Others' emotions, right. essentially. right. So for thinking deciders, those who are wired, I say it's the gift of psychologically distancing yourself, making mm-hmm. everything more objective, and therefore caring has nothing to do with it. So when you're using that, when it's engaged, it doesn't care. Logic doesn't care. I mean, so just knowing that about yourself means that in order to engage your emotions and become aware of others, you've got to care. Yeah. Um, and So this is why I think EQ is so hard for some. And the way, to me, you help thinking deciders is helping them that it's just managing the data they're given about their emotions. And it doesn't have to be a touchy-feely exercise. It doesn't have to feel awkward, insincere, um, uh, socially weird. It's just a matter of saying, okay, my emotions are data that life is giving me that physiologically I can feel. So why don't I pay more attention? Because logic often says you got to do it right. There's got to be a certain reality to it. Um, and for thinking deciders, they are really good often at the part of the, that composite part of decision making, which is reality testing. Mm-hmm. They feel really good at that because that's yeah. looking at things as they are. But often again, our emotions play into that. There's a lot more to the context of what's happening. Um, so I think for thinking deciders, it's realizing at times how to access your own emotions simply as data. If people would just spend time doing it, yeah. they would learn. And the hardest thing is like letting down your own sense of competence of logic and saying, let's stop myself and let me feel how this feels or how someone else might feel about it. It's data. It's objective yeah. data. So I think that can help. Oh, I like that. And I like seeing other people's feelings as data as well. Right. Because, yeah, because I can, I can, I've helped. Well, I'm, I'm a thinker feeler. Right? <laughs> nice little balance there, hope in this area at least. Um, but I, I've noticed some people who are, are thinking uh, tend to maybe dismiss others' emotions. Any yeah. suggestions for them to maybe see that a little better? So, so, so two things. I, I always like to say this isn't either or, right? It's the yeah. order. It's like, where do you go first? Yes. Clarity, thinking deciders, harmony, feeling deciders. So in emotional intelligence, and I think this is why um, some people, coaches I work with a lot, that just give up. They just say, my clients, they're not about getting into this. And I said, but they will if you make it objective. They really Mm. will. And so helping tune the conversation to the objectivity of managing your emotions to emotional transformation can equate to improvement in morale, lower absenteeism, you know, just a better sense of, of teamwork. If people understand, you're just raising the bar a bit. However, we know from the research that it's really hard to convince someone who's wired and often doesn't sort of, I like, I like sort of the, the visual, if you will, that when logic is on, caring is off. So to <laughs> yeah. care, you have to turn it on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you just have to again, engage your brain, your cognitive brain around 
okay, I just need to listen more carefully, all the different tools of EQ that help you focus in on the heart, on the, on what you feel, um, and not feel awkward about it. I think the competence issue is what stops a lot of thinking deciders. They think this is just too hard. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to be assertive. I only know how to be aggressive, for example, um, because that's, that works for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we know today in this world, you have a need to be attentive to your own emotions and learn then how to at least examine the data before you and and then get some feedback. And and the the beauty, as you know, of of EQ is there are a lot of other elements of it that can be used to foster the thinking, deciding whether it's paying attention to relationships, your own self-regard. They're all windows to it. Yeah. So I love about the model. Yeah. Challenge is <laughs> making time and taking it seriously that this data matters and it can be costly and it will derail you, especially in today's world with all of the drama, the <sighs> sensation, the constant conflict, the voices for unity and yet the constant disunity. And so it's at an all-time high, sort of the value now, to me, of developing your emotional intelligence. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. To be successful more than ever in today's uh, work environment and home environment, emotional intelligence is a necessity. (laughs) I think more and more people are seeing that too. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go over to the other spectrum. Maybe those that are more feeling deciders, how can they be more emotionally intelligent in their decision making ability? Yeah, I love, I love that. I'm guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I I am harmony first. um, And I see through the lens So type allowed me to own it and say, Mm -hmm. okay, this is where the wind blows in my life. I tend to go there first. Um, If someone were evaluating me, they'd say she's pretty good at it, socially Mm -hmm. connected, natural, tactful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the downside of it is, however, um, it can be a derailer when it comes to decision making because it means you won't always speak up and out. Yeah. Or when you do, it's over the top. So it's drama. And and the greatest sign of people who have a low sense, if you will, of reality testing or even problem solving is that it just becomes too emotionally um, verbal and hard to tease out the objectivity. Um, And yet, again, we know that the value of harmony and for feeling deciders is that they naturally, the goal is to collaborate to avoid conflict. So pressing in is really important because feeling deciders need to understand that all the other elements like having finding your voice through being more assertive or just having a good sense of self-regard, um, you can use your interpersonal relationships, you can use a lot of things, but often when it comes to problem solving and reality testing, it truly is about standing on your own two feet, having an opinion, voicing it, solving the problem, and realizing that thinking deciders don't often get upset when truth is spoken or you try to stand toe-to-toe. And feeling deciders can do that, can learn to do that well, to not be conflict avoidant. 
I think is the biggest part of it. It's, it's that courage. And I think that's why people like so much of the Brenny Brown work today. You know, it's, it's no shame having courage speaking into it. So much of that message to me is to feeling deciders. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I love how with the model that you can work on other areas like assertiveness and self-regard to improve yourself in this area. Yes. Yeah. Now, also along those lines, we have people who are really emotionally intelligent when it comes to decision making. But as we know, every strength can become a weakness if we overuse it. Yeah. So what are your suggestions for overusing if someone is overusing their strength in decision making in regards to emotions? So the beauty of this is, and I love that, there's a quote, you know, unguarded strength is a double weakness, right? And um, that that double weakness. So I think the the best way is um, at getting an advocate, someone who you really trust that you will ask for feedback when you are in the middle of problem solving or you are being totally objective. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is no sense of harmony, personalization in anything you're saying or doing. And it just feels like you're just way out on the edge of just trying to get this done and over with and casualties don't matter. Um, And so having someone be your guard um, that you trust to give you that kind of feedback that's in the moment, that's honest by in the moment, I mean, after a meeting or, or even asking them for pre preparation, you know, me. So a big part of it is know your style know your problem solving go-to, know your reality testing if you tend to be just way too objective or way too dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but know that and then be very deliberate and intentional about getting that feedback. And, and in a lot of my coaching sessions, most of my clients are thinking deciders. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is me helping them understand, first of all, this is data about you that you're giving the world and some of it's costing you a lot and no one's telling you that yeah. because often the very people that will be able to give you that, the harmonizers, for example, feel put off because you don't ask. So being curious, I think is another big one, Chris, like just be curious. How did I come across mm. and be willing to change, <laughs> be open to trying it out different. It's like baby steps, right? And I think yes. that's what's so awkward for thinking deciders who are always sharpening their tools of logic, which is so objective. To yeah. be good at this, you have to feel it physiologically, experience it, and articulate it. You know, those I statements that yeah. thinking deciders typically resist. You know, I feel, <laughs> well, I don't care what you feel. Um <laughs> And um, I relate. <laughs> so, so lean in to the discomfort of realizing that when you can articulate what's at stake, if we don't work through this for you and for the other person, um, it's but it feels painful uh, because you know that handwriting exercise we do where in the Myers Briggs, um, and you you write with your preferred hand and then you switch hands oh. and you write with your non preferred. It's like that. It's it's like when you're looking at too much or too little on any of these EQ scales, um, the beauty, as we know, of too little is there's lots of ways to help people get more. But when you have too much, when it's overdone, it's really hard to dial it back by focusing on what it is you're doing too much of. Yeah. So this is why in this case with decision-making, problem-solving, reality testing, by asking someone, 
then you're involving interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Um, perhaps you're even empathizing with how they see it. Um, lots of great ways to look at these words as objective words, as a model, as tools, and then get feedback through an emotional connection with someone else is yeah. gold. Yes, I love it because relationships are important, right? Yeah. To, to, yeah. to being successful. Yeah. yeah, And that's part of decision making. Mm-hmm. Now, I would love to hear a little more about your products and services for our listeners. Well, uh, I do a lot of work with the Myers-Briggs. So on my website, I have a store and I have a book on type that I love um, that I put together after, I can't believe I'm saying this, over 30 years of doing work with type. And, That's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I work with Heil Rutledge, who is... Um, really an expert in so many of these things. And Heil and I have spent the last few years working on generations materials. Now, I I developed back in 2000, I did about three books at the time through that. And Heil and I joined forces a few years ago to continue to update this along the lines of emotional intelligence and generations. And I I just love that, Chris, the, the whole idea, especially impulse control, which we didn't address, which is a big part. And that's a big part of having this and iPhones and iPads is this whole world yeah. is constantly drawing us in and being able to maintain distance and stop and just regard ourselves as having the ability to manage our impulses, I think is important. So generations play a lot into that. Oh, yeah. So for people to find out more about your products and services, uh, readermurray.com? It's actually performance okay. And that's oh, okay. Oklahoma. Performance okay. Thank you for asking. I do sure. have a Rita Murray speaking website, but the performance okay is the tools website. Oh, okay. And um, that's where I do the MH, that's where I offer the EQ and the MBTI and um, the generations work, as well as mentoring. I do a lot of mentoring, corporate mentoring workshops. I love that. And all of those use these tools. That, awesome. That help people. Yeah, thank and you. We'll make sure that gets in the episode description. And we will have Hyal on as well to talk about a few of the EQI oh, subscales. Yeah. Excellent. So what is your final piece of advice for our listeners in regards to decision making? Just give yourself a break. Understand that we're all a work in progress. Um, this takes time. Everyone does it different. There's no gold. Um, there's no <laughs> Olympic gold for uh, emotional intelligence. There's no standard like IQ. So you can't you can't keep like being best. You just need to be your best self, and that means paying attention to it. Most importantly, ask others. Be curious. Edgar Schein's humble inquiry always comes to mind. You know this ability to stop and ask others, "How do you see me?" and be willing to receive their feedback. Yes. Often the defenses come up. And (laughs) it doesn't help anything. So how do we continue to want to build a bridge to our own self-understanding? You know, I believe we're all created so differently by God for gifts to one another. And so when we learn to not just tolerate one another, but to appreciate one another, to me, that's, that's the goal. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. To learn more about Rita, visit her website at performanceok.com or ritamurray.com. Interested in expanding your employee development program? Visit christinaeans.com to look at the many workshops Christina has available for you. 